How we doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thank you so much for stopping by. If this is your first time checking out the show, I hope you'll enjoy it. If you do or if you don't, please feel free to reach out. You can leave a rating and a review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify Music. You can also reach out to me through any of my uh, social media DMs. I have TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also reach out to me by email that is indefenseofliberation at gmail.com. No caps or spaces there. And if for whatever reason you end up liking the show and you would like to check it out in some form of uh, written materials, uh, I have a blog and I also have, you know, little pamphlets I write every now and again. So if you had any interest in those, you can, you know, reach out to me about the pamphlets, or you can go to forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Again, no caps, no spaces there, and you can check out the blogs I have there. But anyways, folks, enough about me. Today, I want to talk about, uh, I'm kind of following up my most Uh, or actually not my most recent, one of my more recent uh, episodes titled Anxiety, Depression, and Organizing. And I wanted to add a little bit to that conversation, as well as talking about the current situation politically for many of us who reside on Turtle Island and are trying to find ways to actively organize and build against the ongoing reactionary and far-right populace within uh, the United States, and also uh, for those of us who are actively trying to get legislation passed or develop some kind of effort that will lead towards uh, material gains and changes for the people, it is important that we, you know, continuously are taking a step uh, into discussion and we are, uh, learning from one another. I spend a majority of my time that I'm not working, reading, or recording, uh, trying to develop relationships with all kinds of folks. Um, I have been very grateful to have been able to meet some incredible people through the podcast and through, organizing in my own local area and so it's incredible to see what the difference that relationships and everything like that have to offer but again I don't really want to go too too deep into that uh just yet we're going to be talking about this uh coming up soon I have an episode set to record with Elena from the Red Nation coming up tomorrow so be on the lookout for that Uh, I also have an episode coming up with John Potash, the author of Drugs as Weapons Against Us and other works, and I also hopefully will be having a few other incredible guests uh, who I've been able to hear on different podcasts like By Any Means Necessary, the Red Nation podcast, 
probably canceled podcasts, Revolutionary Left Radio, Guerrilla History Podcast, and plenty of others. So, in that episode titled Anxiety, Depression, and Organizing, one thing that we talk about is the fact that, you know, we are in such a period of hopelessness that so many people fall to apathy and nihilism. They fall into this feeling of disconcern uh, for anything other than their own safety and well-being, which is, you know, a survival tactic. And then on top of that, they also become so hammered down in this notion that this is it. And, you know, can you really blame everybody who gets super anxious, super depressed, because... I mean, if you look around at the fact that climate crisis is here and ongoing for millions of people across the planet, that we have hyper-militarization across the world against uh, counter-hegemonic powers like Russia and China, who the United States empire has no interest in allowing to develop as, you know, multipolar... Uh, points of power combined with the immense heightening of the reactionary far right and uh, you know racist segments of society coming to the fore and really be given being given the space to do so by both the democratic and the Republican parties who time and time again refuse and are incapable of uh, passing legislation, uh, developing organizations and committees that are successful in attempting to curb or eliminate issues of inequality, of hunger, houselessness, and joblessness. We also see time and time again, as with uh, the most recent uh developments in the John Lewis Voting Rights Act bill, as well as the Build Back Better or the Build Back Basic bill, and also, as we see, both uh, Kirsten Cinema and, uh, oh, who's the oil oligarch? I can't think of his name right now. There's Kirsten Cinema and there's that other dude. I can't think of his name right now. Uh, uh, Manchin, Joe Manchin. And, uh, you know, they voted against uh, redeveloping the filibuster bill. I don't know exactly what it is that... I don't know. I don't believe they were straight up voting it down. I think they were trying to change it so that the Republicans could not use it, the filibuster that is, in the same way that they normally would to try to block the Build Back Better bill and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act bill, among many others. Um, But because the Democratic Party is a farce and because they have absolutely no party discipline and because none of the capitalist imperialists within the Democratic Party are any more than just faces on a, you know, predetermined set of policies and, and, and votes and everything like that. Because it seems, and I can't, you know, this is mere speculation, I guess, but it seems by the time you get to these positions in Washington, 
especially as uh, we really don't have any mass movements or parties that are putting pressure on these politicians in a systematic and organized fashion that, you know, really tends to not intimidate these politicians into actually doing what we want. The fact that that is the context we exist in, as well as the fact that we live within a capitalist imperialist empire that is the dominant hegemonic power that is destroying the globe and everybody who lives on it, it's pretty difficult to imagine that, like, you know, by the time you hit Washington, that you're not already, like, corrupted and involved in collusion. But what I'm meaning to say, and the reason why I bring this up is because it's difficult to imagine that a country that is so steeped in shit and absolutely reactionary to its core uh, in the way that the U.S. empire is, then it's imperative that we understand that oftentimes this focus on developing struggles within the pre-existing avenues of change ultimately doesn't often lead towards change. Um, It might change the legislation that is in place. It might change the politicians or representatives that are in office. Both which can prove to be very, you know, monumental. They can change some small contradictions and relations to develop them into new ones. But what it seems to me and to many others as really being a huge issue facing not only the people in the United States, but also people globally, is this unfortunate co-option and central focus on simply attacking or trying to maneuver within these, again, pre-existing avenues of change. Representative politics within the United States can't be completely ignored. Uh, especially at local and municipal or statewide levels. We also can't completely ignore the use of legislative bodies, laws, and bills being put in place because it jams up the system. It complicates and really frustrates the ways in which capitalism, imperialism and, you know, U.S. hegemony are developed and acted upon. We see globally that popular opinion, that mass organization, and, you know, developing struggles of all kinds is crucial to material change. We have to start somewhere. So ultimately, if we are pushing for things like legislative changes or representative elections, we cannot be bogged down in one of two fields. One, 
we cannot be bogged down in this mentality that by just trying to get into the places where the players and politicians and representatives currently are is going to change our world necessarily. It's not 100% certain that by placing individuals within these huge bodies of reactionary and ruling class uh, representatives is going to be capable of overthrowing and overchanging the pre-existing circumstances and relations that do exist between those representatives and the people. However, we do know, and this cannot be denied, that at local, state, and municipal levels, this has and does lead towards material change for some. The second thing we cannot get bogged down into is the fact that we can absolutely not use any of these means and avenues of change and struggle. We have to understand that as oppressed, exploited, and isolated working and non-working people, that we are at an odds end with a ruling class that is more powerful more wealthy, more militarized and weaponized than any other ruling class empire has been in human history by a long shot. We cannot ignore a single attempt at making a movement, at developing consciousness, at having conversations at organizing, or even simply at contradicting people's pre-existing mindsets. So, yeah, can I get on this podcast and talk about the fact that maybe movements that are focused on things like passing a bill that will do this, that, or the third are oftentimes going to find themselves at, you know, their wit's end simply just trying to pass legislation that quite possibly will not even receive the funding, the support, and the, you know, fight that it deserves and therefore might honestly, you know, fizzle out to nothing. But if we don't at the very least put that bill on the table, if we don't at the very least you know, develop a struggle calling for legislative bodies to rewrite certain laws and constitutional rights that lead towards further exploitation and oppression of working and oppressed people, we really cannot just say that, okay, we know that putting this person or that person in this office isn't going to lead towards change because we might know that But you also know that the average working and exploited person does not necessarily truly know that yet. They might have a notion that like, oh, fuck everyone. They all suck. You know, I'm not going to vote anymore. I'm not going to participate in politics. This is all bullshit. But that is not the same as knowing that we cannot simply just change the face of the oppressor. We have to eliminate the oppressive system. 
and we have to put the oppressed, the formerly exploited, in power. That those two thoughts do not directly coexist. They do not directly align with one another. And so it's difficult in this way to know when and how and what and where and who uh, you know really needs to be uh, focusing on what struggles. We really can understand and, and must understand why so many folks struggle with these uh, strategies and these tactics towards trying to develop a movement because most of us you know, I'd say 90% of Americans think politics is just that time that you go and vote every four years. Most Americans, it's clear, do not only, not only do not participate in the national elections, but also very rarely participate in local and state elections. So because of that, it is imperative to note that the average working and exploited person on Turtle Island Although they might be completely depoliticized, it might be coming from an apathetic, apolitical uh, central focus rather than a focus on this idea that neither Democrats nor Republicans have our best interest at heart and therefore we need to spend time and focus on building struggles that connect communities, people, and build dual power. So let's talk about this idea of dual power. Let's talk about this idea of consecutive struggles. And let's talk about the idea of what difficulties truly come up facing a lot of these ongoing movements, developments, and struggles. So first and foremost, many of us aren't organized. We have the right ideas, but we're trying to do this shit individually. We're trying to play superhero. We're trying to make this a part of our aesthetic We're trying to make us uh, feel as if we are good people because we are doing these things. Those are four of the many different incorrect mindsets that I think uh, conscious activists and organizers really uh, need to fight. Individualism and, uh, you know, Western chauvinism are two other incredibly detrimental Uh, subterfuges that have been developed by the capitalist and imperialist state and have been put in place as, you know, uh, a normalized uh, way in which we think about ourselves and our lives to ultimately distract from the interconnectedness and the interwovenness of true life. Uh, Understanding that, in fact, if it weren't for, you know, uh, rural immigrants and uh, impoverished workers, not only here in Turtle Island, but also across the world, that we wouldn't have food, that we wouldn't have vegetables, that we wouldn't have fruit, that we wouldn't have uh, a lot of the uh, sustenance that we require. Uh, We also cannot forget that if it weren't for especially countries like India, We would not have medicines and vaccines here in the United States. That shit is not produced in the United States. We do not produce our own medicines. If it wasn't for the exploited and oppressed people that U.S. corporations, 
banking firms, military, industrial complexes, and industries around the world are taken advantage of, we wouldn't have the clothes on our back, the cars that we're driving, the phones that we're listening to this to. We wouldn't have anything that you and I have on a day-to-day basis if it wasn't for the exploited and oppressed working people across the world who are forced to build and sell, transport, and uh, produce the things that you and I need every single day for a wage that does not allow them to live a happy, healthy, well-fed, secure, and safe life. This cannot be disconnected. We cannot forget the true internationalist nature of struggle that is necessary to actually succeeding in overthrowing capitalism and imperialism and developing a movement which ignores not a single exploited and oppressed person's struggle. There are contradictions everywhere. Contradictions are the main foundation to our existence as human beings on earth within this system. And so we must understand that each individual group and, uh, you know, class, each individual uh, nation and ethnic back or national and ethnic background leads towards certain difficulties, contradictions, inequalities and inequity that must be attacked tackled and uh, eliminated from the base, from the foundation. This goes for things like the sex trade. This goes for things like mass incarceration. This goes for things like uh, working class exploitation. This goes for things like capitalism and imperialism. This goes for things like ruling class dominance. There's a lot of things that are affecting the left that also uh, are difficult to attack as well. We talked about anxiety and depression in the last episode, not really in depth, but I'd like to go into it a little bit here. We have a general population that is wrought with mental illness, that is actively being traumatized by a pandemic as we speak that is incapable of healing and helping themselves due to a lack of funds, a lack of you know free time, and a lack of control of their own environments. The majority of us spend you know 90% either asleep or at work, and we expect that these individuals are going to be able to heal themselves just simply by going to therapy. This is illogical. In the same way that it's difficult to expect that exploited and oppressed people themselves are going to be able to fight their exploitation and oppression on their own, anxious, depressed, traumatized, and you know, downtrodden people are not going to be able to fight their traumatization and their suffering alone. We cannot each individually take on our trauma and expect that we are going to be able to alleviate it. A lot of our trauma is based on material circumstances and an environment that cannot be impacted by individuals in the same level that it can be affected by collectives and organizations. So we have to take this on as an active front. We have to see the traumatization of the masses of individuals and working class people as a united front we have to attack. The capitalists and imperialists have taken a united front. They have developed technology. They have developed workplaces. They have developed relations. They have developed economies. They have developed industries. They have developed 
the climate crisis. And they are doing nothing, absolutely nothing, to take down the system, to take down the forms of exploitation and oppression that millions of people have to suffer from every single day. And so on top of that, the depression, the anxiety, the uh, ADHD, the PTSD, the BPD, and all the other subsequent mental illnesses that develop because of these circumstances and because of the way in which people's brains develop within these environments, we have to understand that not only are there material circumstances that are leading towards these unfortunate uh, symptoms and mental illnesses, but that these mental illnesses and symptoms become a material front of oppression and exploitation themselves. That now we have an endemic and, uh, you know, global struggle that billions of people are dealing with where all over the world, children are reporting higher numbers of depression, anxiety, and suicide than ever before. You got children as young as eight, nine, and 10 who are being reported killing themselves after being bullied on apps like TikTok and Facebook. This is a real issue. We cannot ignore this. And the ways in which anxiety and depression affect people's ability to organize also cannot be ignored. So in that sense, I think there's a few things we really ought to focus on right now uh, in our organizations, in our communities, and even in our own, like, you know, personal family and, and friend relationships. We have to take care of each other, y'all. We have a dirty, rotten, disgusting, and abusive system that takes people's lives, their dreams, their joy, everything that it is that makes life worth living commodifies it, exploits it, and then takes that person themselves and exploits them further, oppresses them, makes uh, stereotypes out of their uh, ethnic, national, or other backgrounds. It throws them in jail. It taxes and, and, and you know fines them beyond belief for stupid misdemeanors and, and incidences that wealthy and powerful people get away with every single day. And it uses these individuals to further its understanding of itself because as long as these people are, you know, poor and exploited and oppressed, well, that's just, that's just what capitalism is, right? Uh, Ronald Reagan was famous for, I think it was Reagan or Nixon that was famous for saying that you will always have one third of the population that is underhoused, underemployed, and underfed, um... And that's disgusting. That's fascistic. This is the United, you know, fascist states of America. Uh, But at the same time, we also have to understand that this bolsters capitalism's analysis of the working class as lazy, poor, dirty, you know, etc. Because it creates situations of struggle and suffering and then says that those situations are the fault of the individuals who stay there in those places and in those environments. You know, why don't they work harder? Why don't they pull themselves up from their bootstraps? Why don't they move somewhere else? Why don't they try something different? All these different ideas of people who've never had to be in these positions before. And it's, you know, funny why none of these ideas seem to work. It's almost because none of them are meant to. 
um, capitalism wants people suffering because their suffering means that they will always have a reserve army of exploited and oppressed people looking for labor. They will always have people who need to eat. They will always have people who need a house. They will always have people who need clothes on their back. And so because of that, they have our entire class as indentured slaves for our entire lives. Some of us are lucky and we get out of it, right? We get a career, we get a salary. That's not really this escape that we think it is. It's not really this, you know, freedom. Now you just have mortgages instead of student loans. Now you just have, you know, life insurance policies and and all these different, um, you know, forms of of, uh, expression of your, quote, middle class nature. And yet in an instant, you lose that job. All that shit's the banks. All that shit goes right back to the the car salesman and the the housing market goes right back to old Bill Gates or, uh, you know, whoever. It goes back to someone that isn't you. And so this analysis of, you know, capitalism and imperialism that says that, you know, the workers are just not trying hard enough. They are just you know, if they wanted better circumstances, they ought to get organized. They're the ones who are suffering the most. Why aren't they getting organized? It's the workers' fault. You see this among the Western left pretty often where they accuse the people of being lazy in another way, falling right in with ruling class propaganda, but thinking they're smarter, just like, you know, liberals and Democrats think they're smarter than conservatives and Republicans, because they have certain ideas, but it's like, if it's the people's fault, you're a part of the people, what have you done to develop this struggle? And if the answer is nothing, then you need to shut the fuck up. We have uh, a real desperate problem in the West when it comes to organizing. Exploited and oppressed people are completely isolated and alone. They are alienated and they are made to fight their own fights themselves. With the People vs. Fossil Fuels campaign, dozens of land defenders and water protectors are thrown in jail. And I don't see a single fucking organization outside of the already connected and interwoven organizations that were a part of the the People vs. the Fossil Fuels campaign talking about this. I don't hear many people and I'm not trying to like pretend like I'm doing better than most. I'm just now beginning to talk about these things. I don't hear many people talking about the fact that Leonard Peltier's case is up for a possible compassionate release. And uh, there is also new evidence that shows, in fact, as, you know, Leonard has uh, maintained since his arrest, that in fact, he, he is an innocent man. That Leonard Peltier did not kill two FBI agents on Pine Ridge Reservation in the 1970s. But... How many people are asking the questions, why the fuck were FBI agents at Pine Ridge in 1970? Who were they after? What were they doing there? That's not their land. We have a desperate need in this country and across the world in nations that are actively benefiting from the oppression of the global south to end the regimes of capitalism and imperialism for finally and for all we have really no time left we don't really have 
you know, this hope that we're going to have hundreds of thousands of millions of more years on this earth in the same way that we've been on this earth for this long. Even in, uh, you know, a sense where we recognize that just because we are in the position we're in doesn't mean we have to give up and just let the earth die. We also understand that we can't continue living life the way that we've been living life for the past four to five hundred years. That means us individually and the colonial settler and imperial powers we have to understand that these relations can't continue we have to understand that this form of production and commodity uh uh i should have said this form of commodity production private property ownership and and you know ruling class domination cannot be allowed to continue we have to do something about this now Because right now, as many of us know, millions of people across the world are without food, they are without housing, they are without any kind of, you know, income that is uh, consistent, that is, uh, you know, supportive enough. And they are also, in a lot of cases, devoid of any community, devoid of any connections that will be able to help them in these positions. Because... You know, it's one thing if you, let's let's look at it like this. It's one thing if you yourself don't have enough food in your house to, you know, feed you and your children. But if you have a neighborhood, if you have a block of people who know each other, who care about one another, who, you know, have these deep relations and community with each other, then there is a much more likely chance that you will eat tonight because someone else cares enough about you to share their meal with you. Whereas right now in my, you know, local area, I know for a fact that every single night someone or many someones are going without meals, but they are also going out going without any community. They are going without any human connection. So many people live alone. And I don't just mean that in their living arrangements where they're, uh, you know, sleeping and and where they spend their, their time is alone. But I mean that in a deeper human level as well. That so many people live life completely alienated and isolated from other human beings, whether that is because of their own, you know, environment, whether that is because of their own decisions and, you know, personal isolation, or whether that is because of the fact that they don't have enough free time after they have to work, after they have to run their errands after they have to live their life and after they have to eat, sleep, you know, shower and and take a shit. If human beings aren't given the time to be with one another, even our family, friends, and loved ones, how are we expected as human beings to become anything other than the rotten beasts that in 
imperialism, capitalism, and individualism, as well as just class society in general, have turned us into. We cannot put the onus of blame on anyone other than the ruling class and the vanguard parties of the exploited people. There are two groups who are to blame for the suffering and the struggling of billions of people worldwide. Those who benefit and have actively developed and built the forms of oppression and exploitation that the billions of people across the world are suffering under. The other group that is to blame are those who clearly understand this, who know more than anyone else what needs to be done, and yet either do nothing or do not succeed. Now, I know this is hard. I know it's hard to say, okay, it's the people who have been fighting and yet been taken out, you know, thrown in jail, exiled, killed. It's their fault. But the truth of the matter is, if we are looking to actually eliminate and defeat the ruling class system and its lackeys, then we have to succeed. Because when you fail, when you are overcome, when you are, you know, eliminated, there is no recourse, there is no reaction that is not steeped in violent repression. Even the people who have been fighting for liberation and freedom and proletarian justice across the world have had to suffer at the hands of this violent repression. So then we must understand today that there is no way that we can ignore the history, the struggles, the defeats, and the organizations that have been fighting for generations. Because in their losses, in their mistakes, in their defeats, and in their failures, we find lessons, we find inspiration, we, we find revolutionary resistance and fervor, and we find answers. Now I know, I know, I know, I know that there is so much to do, that there is so much to know, that there is so much to learn. But my friends, we have two choices. We have two choices in this world. To see and to do or to ignore and to sit idly by. I myself, A, have come to a certain point 
of principled conclusion where I can no longer simply advocate or discuss these realities. I must fight them. I must resist them. I must organize against them. And if you truly believe or call yourself a socialist, a communist, a leftist, a revolutionary, a human being, then you need to find some way to involve yourself in the movements that are already ongoing. They need your help, they need your support, and they need people involving themselves physically and financially. Now, again, not everybody can do everything. A lot of our comrades, a lot of the people who are most adamant about wanting to get involved face some of the most difficult challenges to getting involved. And so we have to find ways to support one another. We have to find ways to get each other involved. And we have to find ways to really make up for the realities that exist. It's not ever historically been shown that an entire class, upon a realization of this reality, is going to rise as one and overthrow the pre-existing status quo. It takes time. It takes struggles. It takes a developing, ongoing movement that becomes more and more organized, consolidated, and centralized as time goes on, which eventually finally takes its uh, connection to the masses to a level that has to be seen as nothing other than revolutionary. We must look to nations and continents in Africa, in Asia, and in Latin America to see what this truly means. In Honduras, 1.7 million people have demanded a new reality. In Haiti, in uh, places like Colombia, in places like India and elsewhere, the people continue to stand up and resist active repression brutalization, and policing. In places all across the world, it is clear that our suffering, our struggles, and our liberation is 100% connected. And so it is up to us within the belly of the beast to take that responsibility seriously and to overthrow from within the belly of the beast the empire that has most led to and as currently the exploitative and oppressive power of the world. And we need to firmly and finally vanquish this foe of the people. We know, we know 
that this world cannot continue to go on as it has. So we must do something about that now. Uh, One thing I am doing, as I've mentioned on the show, is trying to pass out uh, information and also uh, uh, basically like postcards and uh, uh, flyers about Leonard Peltier, who was, uh, you know, wrongly convicted in the 70s for uh, the death of two FBI agents, which I mentioned earlier. You can look into that by checking out freeleonardpeltier.com, I believe the website is called. Um, you can also involve yourself in the Mumia Abu Jamal uh, freedom fight or the freedom fight for other political prisoners that have been arrested recently due to the ongoing Stop Line 3 and Stop Line 5 uh, campaigns, as well as the uh, People versus Fossil Fuels campaign. You can support international movements by joining groups like Venceremos Brigade to Cuba, the Friends of the ATC in Nicaragua, the Red Condor Collective in Colombia, and plenty of others worldwide. There is no excuse There is no reason why you cannot send an email, why you cannot write a letter. And if there is, then you need to find another way to get involved. You need to send podcasts to family members and have conversations. You need to, you know, give monetary support to organizations in your area, handing out food, blankets, hats, mittens to houseless folks. You need to be, you know, actively reading revolutionary theory and developing an understanding that can lead towards, you know, honestly, can lead towards a evasion of a majority of the failures and mistakes that those who have come before us have made. We have a responsibility and we have a world to win. We really must begin organizing and fighting like there is no tomorrow. Because for millions of people across the world today, there won't be. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Stay healthy, stay safe, stay revolutionary. And we'll see you next time. Peace.